Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting live following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and special guest today, Matt Thompson, uh, who works with us on these natural products. Uh, we do a lot of research on, on various naturals products and we've got a ton of data that we've built up over the years. That's one of the things that we were sharing at our Naturals Workshop today. We've also got a live audience here to take questions from as we go through today's work or today's radio show. If you have a question, raise your hand. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up to you with a microphone so everybody that's listening in can hear what your question is. If you wouldn't mind just saying your first name and what state you're from, uh, that would be great. Uh, we had a number of questions that came in online that we didn't get to during the workshop, and we're going to also answer those questions as we go along today as well. All right, so again, if you have a question, raise your hand. We'll, we'll head to you with a microphone, uh, and I think they got a special Ag PhD prize for you too uh, for, ask, for being so bold as to ask a question. Uh, all right, Matt, Brian, had a couple of questions about contans, which would be uh, – a natural product that can be used to fight white mold. And this white mold has been just such a terrible disease in soybeans. Uh, one question that Gordon had, he said, all right, is contents temperature dependent? Now here's what I mean. Uh, I know the product has to be frozen before you use it, that's fine. But if temperatures get cold after application, like for example, if yep. we're consistently at 32 degrees or so for days, is that going to hurt the efficacy of contents in the field? Yeah, so anytime we're talking about biologicals, you've got to have heat. Otherwise, everything shuts down. That's the exact reason why they'll tell you, don't apply nitrogen in the fall till the temperature's 50 degrees and falling, or soil temp's 50 degrees and falling. We've got to have heat. So whether it's a residue breakdown product, it's contents, I don't care what it is, we want some heat. So if let's say that you harvest your beans and it's going to be 40 degrees or less from now on, uh, if you spray it out there, is it going to hurt? No. Uh, is it going to give you instant kill on the, on the sclerotinia? Uh, no. Uh, it, what it's gonna, what's going to happen is that fungal species that's out there, it's just going to stay there. It's going to remain mostly dormant until it heats up again. So I haven't seen any trials to, to tell you for sure, oh, it'll last for six months or anything like that. But I, I think it probably would going into the spring. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I would say where we get, especially from the residue management products, we always say we want about 10 days of above 50 degrees yep. when we make that application. And I would say contents as well. You're dealing with a living organism. You've got to get that living organism established into the ground where it can overwinter. Uh, and that we see is about 10 days at night. At, uh, yeah, so right. for so the residue breakdown products, I think that's a way bigger deal. Yeah. With the contents, I'm a lot less worried about it. All right, so Dan also had a question on the same lines. He said, so these soil-applied microbial products, are any of them surviving over the winter months? Is there anything we could do to help them? Yeah, and it, again, it all goes back to how, especially from the residue management side, we say the quicker we can get into the pith of the stock, the more potential we have at overwintering. But most of the biological products that we play with will absolutely overwinter as long as we get some time for them to establish. In a handful of soil, you likely have billions of living things. Trillions. Okay. It's a lot, whatever it is. The point is a lot of those things are going to attack the stuff that we spray. So to think that it's going to live over the winter, is some of it? Sure. Is all of it? No possible chance. 
All right, uh, Thomas had a comment for us that he had sent in, and he said, hey, thanks, guys, for the wrap-up at the end of your meeting today because that answered a lot of questions. gets really confusing because there are so many companies yep. that are involved in this naturals market. And, Matt, yep. uh, we see a lot of look-alike products out there. We yep. see a lot of copycats. Uh, it, it does get tricky to sort through all that stuff. You're, you're constantly doing research on this. And I know a lot of times I talk to you and I say, Hey, Matt, here's a new product. And you say, uh, no, it's not. That's uh, something we've already seen. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, we talked about a couple products today. One company in particular is in the market with 27 other com with the same product in the market, 27 other ways. So, um, that's, that's our fight today is just trying to identify who's who and, you know, ultimately the products we talked about today, we feel like we are dealing with the ultimate expert in the marketplace. Uh, and that's why we work with those particular products. All right, Gordon had a question here. He said, I, I'm interested in using some talc product on seed this year that's delivering some microbes, but I've always been worried about getting an even distribution of mm -hmm. talc on the seed. I know Matt pointed out there's such a high concentration of biologicals on these talc products that you don't have to be perfect, but are there technologies or equipment to address this concern as talc is added to the seed? What would you recommend? Yeah, our best possible answer is is Tom Johnson, you know, came out with a company called CT Applicators. It's a great applicator that mounts right onto the seed tender. Uh, you turn a dial for how much a product you need to apply to a per unit basis. And as your seed is flowing through the tender, uh, the CT applicator has a way of, of distur dis distributing and dispersing the talc products. So that's going to be the best possible way. We tell growers that if they don't want to make the investment onto a talc applicator like a CT applicator, we say as you're filling the seed into the planter box, feather in the talc-based products into that planter box at the same time. Hey, kind of yeah, just oh, I, I would just say the big thing is I don't really care what my coverage looks like, anything else. All I ultimately care about is did I get yield? So let's just make sure we're focused on that. Yes, we want to try to get the best coverage possible, but don't get all that worried about it. There is a lot of stuff there, a lot of microbes. Connor had a comment just about the contents we were talking about before for white mold control. He said it's it's not a contact fungicide. Make sure you remember that. Uh, he said the real key for that product to work the best is getting good soil contact so the hyphae colonize and form a network in the top two inches and can ultimately find the sclerotia via mobilization. And you know what? That's that's it. We have to think about how all these products work, Matt. That was one of my big takeaways today, and I was just making a couple of notes of, hey, where do we use these things? What are some of those keys to get the most success out of these products? Because ultimately, we're making an investment on our farm. We want that investment to give a return. And with a lot of the products that we were talking about today and product categories, we're talking about what to look for because we're, we're looking for how can we get a three to one return on investment. And I know a lot of non-farmers say, man, three to one. I wish I could get that on any investment that I do. Well, it is possible with many of these products we're talking about today. We're just wrapping up the Ag PhD Naturals workshop here. And we're talking with our live audience, taking questions here. If you have a question, you can email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com.
My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Your farm's greatest challenge is making sure your crop has enough fertility to reach its yield goals. But how do you know if you're applying too much of any one nutrient? Fine-tune your fertility plan with Verify. Your combine collects hundreds of yield data points per acre. Verify takes that data and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal. So you can be confident you're not over-applying. Get started today at Verify.com. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of grower success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us. Take it from agronomy manager, Nate Honek. We've seen tremendous weed control that was sprayed in dry, hot conditions with uh, very little rain within two weeks after application. Very easy application. Definitely tank mix well with the various products we used. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton Center at the site of the Ag PhD Field Day. And you know what? The last time we did a meeting here, we were looking out the windows and it was all white and you saw all this snow and you thought, man, there's no way there could be a field day outside here. The snow's gone. It's amazing. We've been way above normal for temperatures and it's starting to look like April out there, even though it's only February. So won't be too long and we'll be back for the Ag PhD Field Day, of course, that's the last Thursday in July. You can find all the details at agphd.com. Well, we are uh, following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop today. We've got a live audience here asking questions. You can still participate if you're listening at home. Just send us a question, radio at agphd.com. All right, uh, if you wouldn't mind saying your first name and your state you're from, that'd be great. We'll take your question. Uh, my name's Russ from Southeast Minnesota. You're talking about the heat shield uh, saving our guys' corn uh, towards the end of the season. I feel like I have an issue with my sweet corn. When I know there's a heat wave coming, it seems like it can really push that corn. And oh, yeah. if it's real bad heat wave, it could almost cook the corn. Would yeah. heat shield help on that situation? Yes, absolutely. It, you're helping the plant manage its stresses around temperature. And, and that's been a big thing that we see with corn, soybeans, wheat, specialty crops. It's all around helping try to delay that crop. One of the nice things, too, is many of these biologicals are approved for organic production as well. And Heat Shield is one of those. So, so Heat Shield, we should just mention for anybody that's just tuning in that wasn't here for the workshop earlier, uh, Heat Shield is a, a series of different fungal Six endophytes. Fungal endophytes. That, so it's fungus that lives inside the plant, but it doesn't move into the seed. So I, I know the first thing you think of is, oh, no, I don't want to put a fungus onto my sweet corn. Well, that doesn't move into the corn itself. Uh, it, it stays in the stalk, in the leaves, and down in the root system. Uh, so, yeah, like you say, it is OMRI certified. It is something safe to use, and it definitely helps. And you think about sweet corn, it doesn't have all the genetic improvements that field corn has gone through. Right. And so often those sweet corn plants are a little weaker. So this could be something to help you. A little weaker. How about a lot weaker? Okay. He's yeah, got another go question. Ahead. Oh, oh, let's turn his mic back on. There we go. 
I'm, I'm great with you shutting uh, Darren's mic off, Alex, but we better turn his mic on. Go Will ahead. that work um, <laughs> only to use if I know there's a heat wave coming? Can it be applied like that as a foliage feed? Yes. Yeah, how far? How far ahead of that, Matt? Because the, obviously oh. those fungi, uh, fungal species, will need some time to blow up. So with the work that we did at um, in southeast Minnesota this year, within 24 hours' time we start tracking the temperatures. So it doesn't take a lot of time. I tell growers anywhere from seven days uh, to right at 24 hours. We we want we want that window of getting in front of that temperature. Yeah, but the point is, if let's say your weather was absolutely perfect, nice and cool. I mean, what you could draw up for the best possible sweet corn weather, would heat shields still help you? I don't know that it would. Yeah, I don't so I, I, I probably would only do it if I said, oh, boy, this looks really bad. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to get 95, 100-degree temps. Uh, that looks bad. Hey, one other thing I was going to bring up that uh, Darren started to get to with bacteria and fungi, and, and you might say, oh, I don't know if I want to put that on my crop. There are so many bacteria yep. species and fungal species that actually are beneficial to plants. And we don't think about that often. We're always, I, I think, I feel like on our farm, oh, we're trying to kill all the fungus and all the bacteria. No, there's a lot of stuff that's actually really good. All right. All right take another question here. Yeah, Jason from Missouri. And one of your field trials in uh, 2021 for NutriShield had some comparisons there. Uh, the Mankato trial showed basically even to just a little bit less on the NutriShield one. Was there a particular reason that happened there? Uh, page 45 in our book. That one. Yeah, that one. For, for those listening at home, I just pulled it up on the screen as well. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, this is, this is the joy of, of biology where you're not going to get a 100% response or 100% consistency of wins within a particular trial. So in this one, we probably had a situation where the the seedling pests or seedling diseases were a more important thing than what the biology me, could provide. Uh, wait, wait, wait a second, though. Do, do we know the farmer where this was applied? Yes, that was our – we planted that plot, we harvested that plot, and um, – Oh, wait, so that was our research people? That was, that was okay. us. Yep, 2021, right. Yeah, we use a combination stuff. of our research people, independent trials – and uh, and then also a number of other farmers we work with. I didn't remember what was what. Okay, so do what? What else do we know about that field? Well, here's, here's good. Couple, were they bad? Here's a couple things, Brian. First of all, uh, that that our research team did it. I know that we used treated water. I know that we didn't have an issue that we killed good the point. bugs. Good point. So that that is always a variable. Even some of the work we did with North Carolina State, uh, they gave instructions, but there was one of their sites that they got in a hurry or whatever. Yep. They didn't treat the water. And they saw, you know, they saw chlorinated water just destroy microbes. So that is something you always have to wonder about is, did that happen? In this case, we're pretty sure that it did. But here's the other thing. Wait, sure that it did not. Sure that, right, sure that we did issue. have treated water. Yeah. But here's the other thing. Tell me exactly what the microbial complex is in the soil. Tell me exactly sure. what your soil biology are. Maybe they're already really strong in that particular field with the same exact bugs that were in NutriCycle. Uh, we aren't talking about genetically modified bugs here. We're talking about natural bugs that you would find in soil. We're just putting more of the good guys out there in the right spot. And since we don't have good tests to just, hey, let's pull a soil sample and see what the complete uh, microbiome is out there, 
Um, it, it's hard to know. And I'm sure there's some fields, if we did have testing like that, that we could say, you know what, in this case, we should really use more fungal, fungal species. Or in this case, we yeah. should really use some of these certain bacterial species. Yep, we just don't know. So, yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs. And the other thing is, when you're putting NutraShield out there, it's a long time between then and harvest. There can be a ton of other stresses that happen out in the field that we don't have control of. Yeah, because sometimes people will say, well, I'm using manure, so I'm getting all these beneficial microbes, so I don't need uh, some other product. Maybe. We don't know for sure. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer on exactly why that didn't work. It's but always hard to do, figure out But do why. you have any other things about that field, Matt, that stood out? No, I mean, it came from a high-yield grower that's super – um, pushing things for the limits. So I think if you look at the yield standpoint, it's just, it's, it's one of those deals where you're not going to see results every single time. Right. I mean, that's, that's the best way I can say it. Okay. Was it, was there anything else sir? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just appreciated the honesty on, on the chart, but just curious if there was something that, um, stuck out. Yeah. From and, that. and it's one of the things. So if you're listening to us today, we talked about this just a little bit during our workshop that we're, it's very challenging as a farmer today because for a lot of our universities, that's where we used to turn to get lots of great information. Well, a lot of the funding's gotten cut to many of those universities, extension offices, all that kind of thing. And a lot of the research work now is just sponsored by companies. Well, if it's sponsored by a company and then that company happens to turn out all their products look great, do you trust that, number one? And number two, the advertising messages that are out there, they all say, oh, everything's great, and it all works in all these situations. Where does it not work? I want to hear one company, one time, have some ad and say, yep, use our product here, but don't use our product over here. You never hear that. That's what we're trying to identify is what not to do as well. Yeah, I like that. That's one of my favorite slides in the presentation today is when not to use yes. different classes of what we would call naturals, whether it's plant growth hormones or, or bugs or whatnot. So so just, just as a quick point back to you, sir, 21, 22, 23, three years worth of data, if we look at the historical package of NutraShield, 84% of the time it's a positive result. So, Which means 16% of the time it's not. Right. Yep. All right, we got about 30 seconds here. If you want to throw your question out, sir, and then we'll, we'll answer it right after the break. Uh, I'm Paul from North Central Nebraska, and... I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you have any, we have a uh, irrigation center pivots. Yep. Can I use any of these products through there or does it all need to kind of run through my sprayer? Okay. Uh, great question, Matt. Yeah. So humic acid would probably be the only one. Humic fulvic acids would be the only two that I would say you could dose through the uh, application of a, of a irrigation system. Everything else we're trying to dose specifically to a plant. Yep. We'll talk a little bit more about that after the break, too. Today we're talking about naturals primarily here because we're just following up the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. We've got a live audience here we're taking questions from. And you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, 
precisely. Find an AgroLiquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every season, you're collecting yield data on virtually every acre of your farm. But what good is your data if you never use it? Put it to work with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal, ensuring your crops get what they need right where they need it, no matter what equipment you run. Go to Verify.com to find an expert to help you get started. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. If you're interested in attending any of our workshops, you can always find the details at agphd.com. Tomorrow, we've got the Ag PhD Soybean Workshop. I'm really excited because there's a lot of new things happening in soybeans. Quite a few topics to discuss there. Uh, you can still sign up if you haven't already to attend or to check in online. You can can find all the details again at agphd.com. Hey, right before the break, we had a great question about irrigation water and what can be put in with irrigation water, what can't. And so I think about even the difference between herbicides and insecticides. So I'm a huge believer in if I've got a pivot and I can put insecticide on that way for some bug that is foliar in my crop, I would like to do that. I'm great with that. But when it comes to a herbicide, it doesn't work very well because you can't get enough dose into that plant. And so that's kind of where Matt was going before this. If it's something that we want in the soil, like humic acid, fine, no big deal. But if it's something we need in the plant, then that's not going to work very well. Matt, yeah. did you have more on that? No, that's exactly what I was going to say. A lot of times, you know, when we're dealing with PGRs 
where we're dealing with amino acids, we're trying to target parts per million when we get onto that leaf. And you know, when you're talking micronutrients or nitrogen for that matter, it's a little bit different of a story. Yep. Uh, it's just too much water for that plant for us to move those particular products. Well, and you mentioned humix, Matt, and I know a lot of folks like to put nitrogen on through the pivot. What a yep, great, a great place way. to put humic in at the same time, that long chain carbon uh, definitely can can help stabilize that nitrogen to some point. I guess it's not a labeled. We stabilizer. believe that it can, yeah. but we still have no data on proving that. But yes. Yeah. So anyway, lot, lots of good things. Let's take another question here. Gerald from Minnesota. Uh, I use hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide in my water. Yep. It's a hundred grains hard, and uh, I use water. Right. Won't spray without it. My question for using biologicals, do I need bioprep in there? It's, it's a well, it, well water? Yes, sir. Yeah. No chlorine? No chlorine. Yep. Just, just uh, hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. You shouldn't need it. Yeah, you should. No, bio, no. bioprep's a one-trick pony. Uh, it's, a, yep. it's a product that we use if we've got a chlorinated water source to turn that chlorine into chloride, which is actually a nutrient that our crops need. So there's no waste or anything like that. There are some other water treatment type systems where you have waste products to deal with. And that's the nice thing about utilizing water right and bioprep. They tie things up so you can just spray the water out and it's zero issues. To yeah, I mean, the good thing with the bioprep, you're going to spend just a few cents an acre. So it's it's no big cost. If you want yeah, to try it, you can. Anything. But uh, I mean, yeah, I don't see any benefit. I don't know why I would do it. I, we do it on our farm because we have chlorinated water. So I have to, but you don't. Uh, Matt, uh, hydrogen peroxide. Have we yeah. done any work with hydrogen yeah, peroxide? So I had a grower just last week ask me this question before before I took off. And they said that, that you know, being in a hog environment, they're adding hydrogen peroxide in the water to make the water safe for their hogs. And I I mean, natural disinfectant, hydrogen peroxide. That with was biology. why I'm asking. So I'd be really cautious about that. Um, that's a question that I've reached out to AST and our water treatment people as well and don't have an answer. Let's, let's put it this way. Um, it, we're going to do a naturals workshop again next winter. We're, we're going to study that a little bit because, yeah, as soon as you mentioned hydrogen peroxide, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm just a little it concerned. It doesn't sound bad, Brian. It's H two O two, but it it changes things up. There's no doubt about yep. it. Yep. So we'll, we'll we'll look into that more, and and hopefully we'll have an answer before spring even. So yep. if you want to get a hold of us before spring, yep. you know we should have something for you. Right, sure. Let's take another question over here. Uh, Kurt from Eastern South Dakota. Um, did you monitor soil temperature? with the use of your inferro biologicals at all and how it might affect its ability? Like any biological in particular? Uh, maybe the, the, just the, the end, the end uh, products. Oh, the nitrogen products. Because I asked the pointed question to one of those developers and they wouldn't yep. give me a straight answer because if you have bare soil like we did and it's hot and dry, yep. do we get as good as survivability? Hmm. And two, are there any rapid tests to see if you did a good job delivering the product to the soil, but do I get colonization? And it's kind of shrouded in mystery. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the question there around rapid tests. There is nothing today in the market. I mean. Somebody's going to argue with me about the Haney test, which is just a CO2 burst test 
problem is, is you're not getting specifically what bacteria or fungi you're putting out there. It's just a broad spectrum of, of activity in your soil. Um, that's the problem that we see a lot today in this marketplace is, is testing what's out there and what's not. Uh, there are some companies that are doing DNA analysis work that are trying to hone in on doing in-season crop tests, but there's nobody in the marketplace today that I would tell you has a standardized test to prove if these things are actually colonizing or not uh, in the field. And that's why we always have to wait until yield at the end of the season, which isn't the perfect answer. Yeah, I, I doubt that we're going to see any issue with that. I really do, because so far, all that we can track it back to in all our research is, did I have enough nitrogen or did I not? If I don't have enough nitrogen, these things are working. So, I, I mean, that the only time they're failing is when we have excess nitrogen in the ground. So I, I don't, I really don't think that's going to be the problem. I really don't. Now, we haven't done enough work on that, but let's face it, we, we do trial work in a bunch of super dry areas, and we've had a lot of drought throughout the region the last three years. So I would assume we would have discovered that by now. Uh, so no, I, I, now that's not to say maybe we could have gotten more had we had more rain, or maybe we could have gotten more out of it if uh, we would have applied it, if we would have planted and applied it a little later. Maybe, I don't know about that, but I think the things have worked so far as long as we needed the nitrogen. That's the only thing that we can see that, hey, it's either this or that. There we go. All right. I think we're right, ready. Take next question yep. here. Larry from Southern Minnesota. Uh, I've been using decomp for a few years, and I guess my question would be, is adding a, a humic acid have any influence or advantage to Yeah, when you say you're program? using decomp, you're using it for residue breakdown? Yes. Or, okay. In yep. the fall? Uh, I put it on spring, and then okay. I incorporate it with a vertical tillage machine, and then I a solid seed soybeans. So one of the inert ingredients that's in decomp is actually humic acid. So the humic acid is actually the backbone that's keeping all the biology from tearing up, telling themselves well, Tell apart. us about your soil just a little bit. Uh, high organic matter, low organic matter, what do you have? Uh, medium to high. Okay. Yep. So, so where, where we tend to see if growers have high levels of residue in the soil and we're trying to speed up the process of breaking them down, we tend to add a little bit of nitrogen back into that equation to try to balance the carbon to nitrogen ratio. Because at the end of the day, if we still don't have that carbon to nitrogen ratio correct, you'll still get breakdown with the biology. It just takes that much more time. When we add nitrogen into that mix, we can help speed that process up. Okay. I've been adding uh, sugar and a little nitrogen. Yep. yep. Yeah, and I have no issues with any of that. Another one that we could have a conversation about is sulfur. Uh, ATS tends to be a really good tool as well to help break down residue anytime when we incorporate sulfate into that mix. Uh, we can help speed that process up as well. Okay, thank you. Yep, thanks. Yeah, and I, the reason I asked what you're using the decomp for is when we were showing all the data about nitrogen replacement type products, I just love how decomp fits in there since it makes a lot more than just nitrogen more available. So I think you're on the right track. I think in my mind, I guess for my acres, that's the product that I want to run with. All right, take another question back here. Hey there, Brandon from Minnesota. So I just have a question, um, like for the PGRs, amino acids, and fulvic acids, if we can get two bushel bump, each one separately, are we seeing better bump if we're using them all together? Or do you recommend them together? That's, that's, that's kind of a loaded question. So um, we get 
benefits, like, for instance, when we look at alpha complete, for instance, where we run a fulvic and, a, and a amino together and furrow, we like that. We like that combination. Um, when we go to foliar crops, we can overdo it. Uh, I put a note in there about when not to use uh, products at the last slide. One of them would be if, in a, if I'm in a hot, dry environment, I don't want to add an amino acid with a PGR and make that timing because I'm basically putting that plant on a treadmill. All right, we'll, we'll dive into this question just a little bit more. There are so many questions around these natural products that are out on the market today. If you have a question, you can always send it in to us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us, take it from farmer Rob Schaefer. Residuals have become a big part of our chemical programs with trying to battle water hemp and also mare's tail is our big one. It's done a real good job of controlling those. You don't have to you know, put a bunch of gallons in your sprayer, cover a lot of acres that way. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. On your farm, you spend thousands on fertilizer every season. But how do you know if any nutrient you apply is paying for itself? Build a fertility plan like never before with Verify. With Verify's soil point to yield analysis, you can automatically see the connection between your soil test and yield data to see which fertilizer dollars will make you money and which won't. Go to Verify.com to get started today. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. PhD Radio today. 
Uh, we are broadcasting following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, and we're taking your questions via email today, radio at agphd.com. We have, we have been flooded with questions today, so our questions may last for a couple of days here. But we are taking questions from our live audience who hey. won't be here in a couple of days. Yeah, and right before the break, the question came in. Uh, let's see, it was fulvic, amino acid, and what was the other thing together? PGR. PGR, yeah. And so, yeah, it really depends on the situation. But in a lot of cases, if you just kind of follow what we talked about today, when to use things, when not to use things, that's going to help you out quite a bit. So I look at the fulvic thing for me. Um, if we're going to use fungicide or if we're going to use foliar fertilizer, that's when I'm probably the most interested in it. In the soil, yep, that can certainly help too. Uh, the, the amino acids, that really is re more of an early season play. Either in the furrow or very early in the season, that's when we're seeing the best results. And PGRs, it all depends on which PGR you're using and what that timing would happen to be. So like gibberellic acid, I love that early in the season on silage corn only. Grain corn, no way. Uh, if we talk about something like uh, cytokinins, IBA, stuff like MegaGrow that we talked about early in the season for root growth. As we get a little bit later, then we want to change things up. So, yeah, it, it all depends on your situation. Yep. Matt, did you have any more on that? And any, any, any watch out if I was going to combine all three of yeah, those like, things? Yeah, like I said before break, I'm, I'm cautious. If I'm super hot and dry, I don't want to put necessarily all three of those out at the same time and put a plan on a treadmill. And what I mean by that is it's just running a race with no end. Yep. So that, that would be the one watch out is you can absolutely overdo a plant with biostimulants. And Matt brought it up at the start of today. There are some things that we would kind of consider offensive biologicals yep. and others that would be more defensive. So we got to pay attention a little bit to our environment, our situation, and go from there. For sure. All right. Let's take another question in the back here. Yeah, thank you. This is Ron from Southeast South Dakota. Um, for the microbes specifically, I have tried them for the first time, 2023. Um, but what I'm wondering is, are they some of those non-native to my area? And what benefit will I receive from those ongoing now that I have them? So most of all the strains of bacteria that we are playing with are native to this area, right? So, you know, when we're, we're trying to specifically target bacillus strains, uh, strains that are naturally found in our soil profile because we don't want to bring something negative in. Um, not everything is going to overwinter because once you lose the host plant, a lot of times you lose the factory in which you're keeping the bacteria alive. Um, we have seen in some cases where the bacteria will overwinter and you'll see secondary benefits the next season. But for the most part, if we're harvesting a crop, tilling that ground, and planting into black soil on a year-to-year -year basis, the likelihood of any biology being active out there is minimal. So, and you know, our, our suggestion is, is if you're trying to reincorporate biology, if you're trying to make active soil, uh, we gotta start having conversations about cover crops and creating green bridges to keep a continual crop growing to feed sugar and carbohydrates back into that environment. Yeah, so like some of the fungal strains we talked about today, uh, Matt just mentioned, Yellowstone National Park, where they discovered some of the, the fungal strains that we were discussing, uh, like in Heat Shield. I mean, yeah, that's not native to right here, but it, I mean, in the general region, it's not all that far away. But there again, we're not expecting survivability and we haven't been able to find it in future years. So generally one season and it's done. It would be interesting if in the southern United States, let's say extreme southern United States, where it doesn't freeze, would we be able to keep some of those alive longer? 
probably, but I still kind of come back to there are so many billions or trillions of things, even in a handful of soil, that are attacking a lot of other things. Uh, it's just it's rare when you find any species of fungus or bacteria that you introduce into the soil that stays all the way into that next season. And even, I want to go one step further, when we start talking about inoculant, there is rhizobia that's alive in your back. It, it, that bacteria is alive in your soil many times for several years. So you can go plant soybeans and you'll still, still see nodulation on your beans, even if you didn't use an inoculant and even if you didn't plant soybeans for two, three years. Now, it's not but, as efficient as if you exactly. applied more and in large doses right where you need it. Hey, yep. uh, and that, long- that's what they're trying to find is the, the ones that help us the most. And so I, I realize there are a lot of things that are native and uh, that will help us, but we're trying to find things that are even more efficient. Okay. Uh, along the lines of this last question, Conrad said, all right, so you mentioned heat shield, how long it lasts, but how, what if you're applying it foliar? Is it going to be there the rest of the season or does it stay just in those leaves? What have you found? Yeah, so heat shield will actually move in the plant. Um, this is one that we've looked at now for two years in a row. We've taken plant samples throughout the season and sent to the lab. Once that heat shield gets introduced in the plant, it will grow in the plant and it will grow within the intercellular walls of the plant. So um, we like the foliar application of heat shield. You can make an early application. It will still be there late. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get proper coverage on the leaf tissue for it to work. And then Garrett asked, uh, does spraying a foliar fungicide kill things like heat shield or does it even get released in root exudate and kill fungi in the soil? Yeah, so fungicides are really targeting specific fungal species. When it comes to heat shield, we've not found a fungicide via seed treatment or foliar fungicide that's going to affect heat shield. That's something that we're always looking at. Yeah, and a lot of people worry that, oh, I'm going to spray a fungicide out on my field and it's going to kill all the beneficial fungus in my soil. Well, if that was true, we wouldn't have a lot of yield. We'd have negative consequences, and we don't seem to. And I don't care if we're talking no-till, strip-till, conventional till, whatever, lots of uh, beneficials, not a lot of beneficials in the soil. We aren't seeing a lot of negative stuff. So, again, I'd say many of these fungicides are pretty specific to which fungal species they kill. All right, we're ready for our next question here. Yeah, hi. My uh, name is Phil Hauser. I'm from North Central Iowa, and I guess I have a question uh, back on the decomp product. First of all, we're into no-till now. Uh, can that be used in, or can that be put, applied in the fall? Would that help with some of the residue issues in the spring that we fight once in a while? And then the second part of that question is, does that affect the nutrient value of the stover that uh, is being decomposed at all? So question number one, can we apply it in the fall? Absolutely. I tell growers that the quicker they can chase a combine out of the field, the more activity they're going to get uh, breaking residue down. So, you know, we think about harvesting crops at 20 to 22 percent. You've still got some green mass out there. There's a lot of available sugars and starches in that stock as it's breaking down. The quicker that I can get biology established with that, the faster that residue breakdown will happen. Um, we will tell growers that if you can apply early fall, you will see some results by uh, spring where if you're running a no-till culture through the field, that residue will still be there, but it'll completely disintegrate once that piece of metal will hit it. Your question around stover and, and fertility values, as the residue breaks down, you're absolutely going to cycle those nutrients back into your soil profile. So you're trying to release the nutrients from the residue, 
that residue release is going to help get those nutrients back into the profile. That's absolutely what we're trying to do with decomp. Yeah, and exactly how many nutrients are in the residue, I mean, it can vary an awful lot. But, I mean, there's a lot of potassium, and then there is going to be some level, a little bit of nitrogen, uh, definitely phosphorus and some other nutrients. Potassium is always number one, though. Uh, yeah, now up on the screen for anybody that's here, I just put up there the check versus a pint rate versus a quart rate. There are a lot of different residue breakdown products that are out there, and we just encourage you at least think about that. But the other side of it is a lot of people, and we mentioned this earlier, uh, talk about nitrogen, sulfur, things like that. So if, let's say, I get late in the season and I've got almost excess nitrogen in my plant. I test my plants and I go, wow, I got, I got a lot more nitrogen than I needed. Then I'm not adding more nitrogen. Right. So, but nitrogen absolutely is going to help because if you look at that corn stalk there, in a lot of cases, they'll say it's about 60 to one carbon to nitrogen ratio. That's going to tie up nitrogen, at least in the short term. So that's the reason why we often say, hey, if it's continuous corn, throw an extra 50 pounds of nitrogen out there or something like that. But again, if let's say you are going to be corn on corn and you just ended up with too much nitrogen out there, you're still going to get that breakdown. You don't need to throw more out there. That'll help with this whole thing. But yeah, it, heat really makes a lot of difference. So the quicker you can get it on there, the better result you're going to end up with. Yeah, if we have ideal growing conditions, that's really good for these soil microbes. If you have extreme drought or if you have flooding, those kinds of things, of course, are not great for survival out in the field. Yeah, and but when it's on, when you're spraying it on residue, then I don't worry so much about drought or anything else because in that residue, there is moisture. There might not be in the soil, but there is moisture in that plant. So I think you're going to be fine in that case. If it was something I needed in the soil, then it might be a little bit different. Talking about natural products on today's program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. 
Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site uh, following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. Taking questions from our audience here. Let's get right back to it. Doug from South Dakota. I've got two questions on your Max NS. Uh, first one was uh, cost per acre, and the other one was uh, does it harm it to use the fungicide and insecticide in the row? So first question, <clears throat> it's all well, going to be. Yeah, talk about these products, Matt. So you've got... Uh, talc, graphite, micronutrients, a carbon source, uh, my, <laughs> biology. You got all these things in there. And I, I know a lot of times uh, you see, oh, man, I have sticker shock because there's a huge price tag on it. But you've also taken care of a lot of things along the way. You got a quart of zinc in there. You've got a couple other micronutrients in there. Uh, th there's just multiple things. If you added each one of those individually, you probably have $40 worth of treatment. Uh, these things are oftentimes when you get these combinations uh, somewhere in the 15 to $20 an acre range, depending on which exact one you get. Uh, so you say, well, man, is there value there? I'm putting it on corn. I need three or four bushels to get a payback. Yeah, in a lot of cases, we are seeing a good payback on these products. Yeah, but I guess my thing is, is can you mix it with a fungicide and insecticide? Absolutely. But if you do have inferral capabilities, it's probably more makes more sense just to stick with running all that in an inferral environment. So the whole reason why MaxNS was developed was really trying to create a system where we could deliver micronutrients and biology to a grower that didn't have inferral capabilities. So oh, here's the other thing too. I mentioned uh, cost breakers generally 15 to 20 bucks. It does vary depending on what your seeding rate is. Right. And I, I just remember I got some feedback from a, a grower in West River, South Dakota. He said, man, these products are the greatest thing ever. I'm like, why? He goes, well, I'm only running about 15,000 population on my corn. It's way cheaper. The guys in Minnesota, it's almost three times as expensive for them. Well, kind of, but you think about it, if you're applying uh, a quart of zinc in a product like this, that's figuring, uh, what, 30,000 population. So now you're only getting a half a quart if you're right. going with a super low population out there. So just kind of keep those things in mind, too. Yep. All right, take another question here. Rodney from <clears throat> South Dakota. I was wondering, uh, heat shield, if you put it on pasture, hay ground, and alfalfa, does the fungus live uh, more than one year? Yep, so we had this come up and we, we tested this in Farm Club where 
we were looking at alfalfa. Um, what we learned was is after the second cutting of alfalfa, we couldn't really find the heat shield in the plant anymore. So if we could make an inferral application or a seed applied application, it would be in the plant longer. But if we go out and fully apply heat shield into that environment, for sure the first cutting, we could find it. It was great. Second cutting, we could see it. But after that second cutting, we really couldn't find the heat shield active anymore after that. So, so. assuming the same thing happens in pasture, once the cattle eat it down a couple of right. times, chances are most of it's gone. Yep. Uh, another thing, uh, stuff in the box, what's that cost an acre? This? Yes. That's what we were just talking about the last question, 15 to 20 bucks an acre. Okay. Yep. Yep. Now, for you, you might have a little bit lower planting population in your area. Yep. If you do, that will cut the cost a little bit, but then yes. it'll also cut the dosage on some of the micronutrients right. and other things as well. Hey, uh, we had an email oh. come in from... Oh, go oh ahead. the other question about yeah, uh, MaxNS. Uh, you mentioned that some talc on the market has asbestos in it. Uh, yep. Is that a concern with some of these... Uh, packaged up, prepackaged up products. Yeah, no, this isn't anything we've been able to identify with those guys, so um, feel very confident with their source. Yeah, but I, I, I think that question was there are a lot of different talc products on the oh, market. I Should I be concerned about yes. what talc product I'm buying? Yes. Yeah, so so NutraShield and MaxNS, we, we both feel confident that we don't have any concerns when it comes to those. Are there other talc products in the market that have asbestos in it? Yes. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know which ones right. have it, which ones don't. So it's an appropriate question to ask. And, and just so everybody's understanding here, asbestos is, the, is a category of four minerals. Those four minerals are very closely associated with talc. So what happens is, is when we begin to go in these mines where talc is and you begin to harvest that talc, you find veins within the talc that these other minerals are associated with that are asbestos. So that, that's how the asbestos gets into the talc. It's not a 100% pure talc. Uh, and we can, we can say that with NutraShield, it's 100% pure talc, which means that we don't have any of the asbestos in it. All right. Question we got time for a couple here. more questions here. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for the MaxNS, if you don't use uh, one of the boxes or something like that you get, how long is that... Um, the small products where you inject yep. it, how sure. long is that stable for? Can it go multiple years or, like I say, if we got small number of acres? Yeah, to explain this just a little bit more, what we're talking about here is a pail that's got zinc and manganese, iron, some humic acid, uh, talc, graphite, all this stuff, and then these biologicals are kept separate in little capsules. How long will the biologicals live is the question. Yep. So as long as the capsules have not been broken and implemented into the bucket, the bucket is good for 18 months. Once you break the buttons and incorporate the biology into the bucket, the bucket becomes good for seven days. So that, that's, that's the separation of, of keeping the biology separate from that mix is, is once you incorporate the biology into the bucket, you have seven days before you need to get it on the seed. Before many, the biology starts to die. Yep. How many units does the uh, box Yep. Serve? So one, uh, one pail is about six pounds in total product. That will treat 50 units of corn. All right. We yep. have another question over here. Uh, Red L from South Dakota. Uh, you talked about ethylene, or you didn't talk about ethylene production reduction. Uh, well, Stolers has some products that do that. Do any of the things that you've talked about, do they do ethylene reduction or is it a different mode of action? 
So the one that we've been able to identify in the market that probably does best when it comes to ethylene reduction in a plant is a stroby. Yep. So a strobilurin fungicide. That's usually what we talk about. And quite frankly, you could go buy a generic quadris that's a strobilurin and use a half rate and it'd probably cost you, I don't know, $3 or something like that. So rather than buying some biological to try to do the same thing, we found the strobilurins do an excellent job of that. So I'll give you an example of that real quick. The number one complaint we usually get from farmers who spray soybeans with a fungicide is they say, well, my, my stems are green now in the fall. Well, why did that happen? Because ethylene is reduced when you use a strobilurin fungicide. And ethylene basically tells the plant to finish. So you're keeping the plant alive a little bit longer, which sounds like a good thing, but if you're concerned about ethylene uh, being reduced and having green stems, I always tell guys, well, use other fungicides other than the strobilurin family. Use an SDHI, use a triazole, use some other family. But anyway, that's what we would usually talk about for ethylene. If you want to do that, that's the simplest, easiest, cheapest way to do it. All right, got roughly three minutes of the show left. I'm going to give you some rapid-fire questions, uh, Brian and Matt. Is MegaGrow safe to use with starter fertilizer in furrow? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, is there any possibility to enhance nitrogen-fixing bacteria by adding sugar or another carbon source? That's a long-winded question. Here's the hesitation. Possibly. Here's the hesitation I have with sugar, especially in furrow. Had this conversation yesterday. When you feed sugar in furrow to a situation of biology, you don't know if you're feeding the beneficial biology or you're feeding the pathogens that's in the soil profile. And that's my hesitation with sugar with biology. Extricate. Uh, we talked about extricate freeing up calcium in the soil. Uh, then we talked about NutriCharge to protect phosphorus from calcium. Which should I use when? That's from Bruce in Minnesota. If your base saturation of calcium is over 73 or 74%, Extricate has been a really good product for us. If you've got situations where you're running phosphorus in furrow in a 1034-0 or 624-6, you could very easily add NutriCharge into that mix to help protect that phosphorus. Okay, Bruce has got low organic matter, low CEC soils. Wondering uh, what level of humic acid should you be applying? Or if you're using a product like Max NS, does that carry enough of this carbon source or humic to supply the needs? Yeah, so you're, you're absolutely going to get benefit in that situation. But if you're in a low CEC, low organic matter situation, you really need lots of pounds of dry humic to help fix that problem. You're trying to reincorporate organic matter into that environment. You need lots of pounds as opposed to liquid or even a small dose that's in this bucket. All right. And Thomas says, uh, question on molasses in post sprays. Can that be used as a sticker for herbicides yes. and foliar sprays? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of different uses for sugar-type products out there, and, and a lot of them get used in those foliar-type apps. Uh, Phil was wondering about, uh, is there anything that will feed all the soil biology already in the soil? Would Humix or Fulvix do the job? And if so, are there higher-quality Fulvix, just like there's higher-quality Humix? Yeah, absolutely. Those products could be used. And yes, there's definitely a difference in quality with Humix and Fulvix on the market today. Well, thanks for all those questions, and thanks to everyone who attended our Ag PhD Naturals workshop today. Be sure to tune in to Ag PhD Radio each weekday. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, everybody.